Welcome back, Syrup Spillers, to episode 16 of Spilling the Syrup. I'm your host, Ryan McGregor. And before we start today's episode, I just want to say thank you all for your continued support and listening to the podcast episodes. And I love hearing that you've been enjoying and listening to the episodes in full. That is absolutely fantastic. I also want to talk about the format of Spilling the Syrup episodes going forward. I'm going to be trying to do the episodes as live. So if you notice more ums and ahs are going to be left inside the episodes, uh, this is going to cut down on my editing time and ensure that I get more episodes to you all quicker. So let me know if you like this format. This episode is going to be about poetry. And when the word poetry is mentioned, the famous author, writer, cartoonist, Shel Silverstein, comes to my mind. His poems I definitely associate with my childhood, having first read them in elementary school. And as a general way to define poetry, Britannica.com defines it as a literature that invokes a concentrated imaginative awareness of experiences or a specific emotional response through language chosen and arranged for its meaning, sound, and rhythm. Today's co-host is Kyle Vine. He is the host and producer at The Music Prophet, and we're going to talk about the style and innovative approach Poetry Slams have on the poetry community and how this is helping poetry become more accessible and trendy with the public. Hi, Kyle, and thanks so much for being on Spilling the Syrup. Hello, and you know, I, I kind of love the name too because it's one of those things that, I know there's something about it intro like that where you start off with a general description, you know, it's, it's almost reminiscent of like the classic CBC approach where you just know that you're going to get a good dialogue going a better topic. So I'm happy to be here. Honestly, Ryan, this is great. Thank you. That is so nice. That's such a compliment. Yeah, I try to hook people in and hopefully keep them interested. And you also have this radio and podcast presence. And I see you have a passion for music and highlighting new talent and creative voices. And you represent Northern Ontario, which is great. Yes, it's crucial, man. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's some, There's something about giving like... Like not not quite holding space. That's the wrong word, but but giving room for those northern Northern Ontario artists that you don't normally see, or the ones that are sort of hidden behind the scenes of all the other art like musicians and artists that tend to get the venues and shows. Why? Meanwhile, there's so many other more diverse and unique, and unique sounding music like musicians that are just. You know, you just want to talk about them. Yeah, exactly. And I believe that you're based in Sudbury, which is one of the communities I recently visited lately. And it's quite nice. It's nice to go up there. It's a change from the Toronto city life. It's it's a shift for sure. I mean, I've, I know, I've traveled. So I grew up halfway between Sudbury and Toronto. And then I moved up like farther north, obviously for university, but I don't know. It's slower, but in a way it's not either. I think just because if you live in the downtown area, especially then you're still surrounded by all the noise and the activity. And if you're tied into the city, uh, I don't know, like this, the city 
itself, I guess. And, you know, you have connections and friends and there's clients that you worked with. Then it kind of, it almost feels similar to if you were on, like if you go, if you went to almost like the end of like Queen Street East, you know, where like there's a lot of activity, but it's very like quiet in moments, that type of thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great point and fair to say, because I think a lot of people think that Toronto is so different, but it's really not. So yeah, I love this. And I have a limited knowledge of poetry. So hopefully you can explain how you got into it, what it is more in depth and how people can connect and appreciate this art form. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's kind of funny actually when I think about it, because I only started getting into poetry when I was in university and I wanted to, I just needed an outlet to write about heartbreak essentially, but I didn't really know what, I didn't have the effort to really write music or to write stories. So I ended up just started writing poetry like by fluke. I mean, and it just kind of grew on me. The different styles, the different approaches, the, all the different formats even are something that it just, it draws you in. And especially once when you explore all the different, ways that you can have rhyme or you don't have to rhyme and you can have a bunch of lines per verse or you can have two of them only you know yeah there's yeah there's just something about the diversity of it that is similar to the art of songwriting it's just you create the music and the rhythm all with your words so i don't know there's something i I love about it there's a charm Yeah, you definitely explain the connection between music and poetry and how a lot of songs that we hear on the radio started as a poem, in a sense. And you mentioned heartbreak, which is a great theme to express through writing and other themes that are important. I think self-empowerment and and self-love also would fall into that as well. What is spoken word poetry? Spoken word is essentially the leveled up version of what we would all see as poetry. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting, man. Like I didn't really realize that it was, you know, like I'd, you can see videos on YouTube and there's that in the way that Rupi core, especially if you look online, like there's clips of her performing her piece and that's kind of more what spoken word is when you see some of those clips. And it's interesting because it's, I say it's leveled up, but it's only because you're, you're, you recite a piece of poetry that you wrote, but you're at it. It's more theatrical and more dramatic. And you're, you're trying to create more theater out of it, I guess you could say. Yeah. There is a performance element there, like I picture being in the audience and having somebody at the mic. And often what I've seen from people doing poetry is it's something very emotional and personal. It's a person talking about self-esteem or something like personal, like depression and mental health and just something that they're feeling inside. How does poetry help people process grief? It. It clears the mind, I would say. 
and just and and just because it gives a gives you an excuse to write out all your thoughts unfiltered and there's no one to judge it and i mean it's one it's something that i mean i research a lot and i don't know me and my me and my friends will talk about it too sometimes about how you know like you have to speak say speak something out loud in order for it to leave your mind so to speak yeah definitely and poetry is the same you know it's something that like especially when i think about all the poetry slams which is spoken word just done to uh to get points and win things basically it's just it's it's competitive poetry performance um so in these sort of competitive poetry nights there are a lot of people on stage that are that will do a share a poem about you know assault or uh lack of like self-confidence or something that's lgbt related you know yeah and it's kind of as as they perform you can see their eyes kind of their their eyes sparkle because the confidence has been they're almost reclaiming the story and the more and as and it's interesting because the emotions so like they're processing their grief and there's one poet especially that if i think about it i had i saw her i watched her do the same poem for three years in a row and i just recently saw that person again a couple months ago you know in like mid 2021 and you can just see the like there's the, like the pure empowerment at this point about a poem uh, with poetry about assault yeah. like the way that the emotions by the this, all the time she performed it and processed it and let her mind be okay with what happened it's just you can see the empowerment and the strength and the growth through poetry you know yeah Definitely. And there is a lot of things that we go through in life. Life isn't easy. Sometimes life is really hard. And other themes that come up that are harder to quantify, I think, are change and the new seasons of change and relationships ending and new phases starting. And these are all things that poetry, I think, can give meaning to when you read it you you read it and realize oh that's how I feel and it's said perfectly in a way that I can understand it and there's something comforting I think about that there is I agree yeah before you get to the point where you're on stage performing how do you start writing poetry for the first time can you have long poetry um poems or short ones i honestly started with short if i were if i remember correctly just because i started with just small quotes kind of thing in my head and i was like oh this sounds kind of cool and then it progressed into longer pieces and and i don't know i mean even the other i was reading t.s Eliot. Uh, who's a famous British poet slash German, I guess. But he's won like the timeless classics, like the the Shel Silverstein, Shel Silverstein of 
really of long poetry. Oh, okay. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was just interesting the way that all the way his poem was like 10 pages long, but it all flowed and it, it kind of builds up. I think, you know, like, I don't know if you think about it too, maybe I feel like you'll find the same that, you know, any sort of creative endeavor that you do, you start off small and then sometimes, like, if you have a whole bunch of ideas, you just get them all on the page or all on the paint canvas kind of thing. Yeah. And then it's, then you start to fine tune it. And, and I don't know about you or anyone listening, but when it comes to writing poetry and performing it, it all depends on whether you're on stage and you have a time limit or if it's going into a book or a publication which in that case, you can actually push the limits a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think for me, just my initial exposure to poetry as a kid was like you had to be fine-tuned with your writing and it had to be polished and it was sort of this this very fine, sophisticated art form. But really, this episode is trying to make it more accessible and more down to earth and more humble because it really is like, it's a very personal thing. Oh yeah. A hundred percent, man. Like it's well, and, and it's, it's kind of funny sometimes too, when you think about it, because in school you read a lot of classic traditional poetry. Yes. And, and it is really cool. And I mean, as I, as I get older, I find I appreciate that more now, but I think, Honestly, I think that's, I only appreciate the older classic literature, like the classic poetry style more because I've heard so much modern stuff over the years that it's that diversity and that mix of hearing both. Yeah. That makes it better. Um, And I say that just because I don't know, like it's, it's one of those things that when you're, if you're in school and you, and you hear a lot of. Shakespeare and William Wordsworth and uh, John Keats, you know, like all the like the 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 generic classic go to poets for anyone in school kind of thing, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's funny because you just you you're saying that you didn't want to say um, and I just did it. You're saying it amazingly. I think you're right. I think it's good to have a mix of new and old and just have a diversity of resources. When you're trying to learn about something like I didn't know a lot about poetry, as I said in the beginning of this episode, but to learn about it, you should read from a variety of sources. You should take in as much as you can. And I want to talk about how poetry can help advance social justice awareness. Amanda Gorman and her new collection, Call Us What We Carry, she performed at the the U.S. presidential inauguration. And yeah. her the theme of a lot of her work is hope. And for me, I interpret that as that this should be a better world than what we had yesterday and having our voices heard. What do you think about social justice awareness? What what would What's important for you in that regard? I think exactly what she did. Yeah, is that's the best way to do it. It's that, uh, you know, it's it's it honestly really is just having that outlet and making it accessible to people that don't have a lot of attention, like your time 
or a lot of attention span. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. That's true in this era of digital technology. Yeah, like there, I don't know. The, I don't know what it is, but I mean, I find this. I find it that way with me and with you know, like how like some unless I'm going to sit down to watch a show, I will go straight to YouTube or Instagram videos or TikTok, just because it's a little bit easier for time. And there's something about spoken word and especially poetry slam, which is actually what Amanda in technicality, technically that's what Amanda was actually, actually did kind of did kind of did growing up and starting out. And a lot of other poets that have really become social, just leaders in the community and leaders culturally, they started with slam poetry and spoken word and they really pushed the boundaries and they really made it so that it was kind of, it was abrasive yeah almost to say because it pushes these ideas and ways to say things that you haven't heard before and you're just like what is this but you're yeah. also kind of there for it yeah it's definitely moving when you listen to it it's it's an emotional feeling especially when i listened to her first i really felt that from her the genuine emotion and what she was trying to convey how do you start off how do you how how do you join like a competition or a club in your community it i you just have to look around okay you know like that's yeah there's there isn't really one sort of cure-all which is um, which is kind of sad actually but you know like the city that i'm based in it it was just by fluke that there was a bunch of poetry open mics that were always available. And someone mentioned how there's spoken word competitions and that's what got me into it. And in, in the city of Toronto, there's quite a few groups, but you had just, it's looking, it's looking around and just searching for certain things or like certain words, even, you know, like looking on, because I mean, the trick that I've used for years to find things of interest or something or looking online to see if I want, if there's something I could do, I'll search specific keywords or phrases. So I'll actually look, look up spoken word in the Facebook search box and just see what comes up. Because interestingly, you could actually find competitions and events and people performing poetry that's over zoom and you can find and they could be anywhere doing it. Yeah. And there's some great poets that I've discovered actually just by watching a Facebook live event from like the USA or there's an arts organization in Toronto, Ontario named unity unity and unity is that they, they actually used to do these, they do a, a spoken word event every month. And I only found out about it just by Googling spoken word events. And so that's the best. And from there, you know, like you can just get into your community and you can start to see who is here and you can meet other poets and other artists and you'll eventually meet organizers. And then maybe you'll get to know a poet and realize, hey, we should start something else. And so then maybe you'll go from there 
and the two of you make an open mic night. And then you actually give the opportunity and you give a, a give room for other poets to realize that they can actually do something with their poetry, you know? Yeah, those are some great tips and that process can happen very organically and it is possible. So I think that's great for our listeners that are interested in that. And well, I'm, actually, you've still been. Actually, I just wanted to like mention you, something. Yeah, I'm glad you said that it's organic because I feel like that's the key. You know, like it's not something you can force. Like a lot of like you people that start poetry or that start anything creative, like it feels like you want to force it, but you can't. You know, it's it's a very natural, organic thing that when the time comes, you'll meet the right person, you'll perform at the right place, and. It is. It's very organic. So I'm glad that you said that because it's, I don't know, like when I look back, it's always been organic for me as well. Yeah, exactly. It means you're doing something right. And you should always feel, you should always be enjoying it. And you should always have a sort of somewhat of an objective going into it as well, I think, for anything creative to be successful. And Oh, absolutely, man. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny too, because like in the humorous kind of way that, you know, as an artist, we try to force the path we're on, you know, like we try to force ourselves into certain rooms or we try to like, we try to make it so that we can meet a certain person so that we can, so you can get signed as a musician or that they can read your poetry or that you, you can get their job or that they can give you a job as a podcaster kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know. It's kind of funny because looking back, you know, I spent six years just working hard to build up connections in a career in the arts and business. And it's just always, always been one of those things that I have to, I have to remind myself of like, you know, maybe this won't work out. Maybe it will, but at least like, at least, at least you can try. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great attitude and you're absolutely right. If you don't try, you never know. And there's a lot to even say about that i think for myself personally imposter syndrome is huge and that stops a lot of people from even trying in the first place so at least if you try you've started that much but uh it's a grind and it's not always easy and it it takes trial and error and it takes a b testing and that's normal things don't just happen overnight oh absolutely man like it just reminds me of I think I was about 21 or 22 that I started, I started realizing that you can tell what kind of like, whether a person is going to, is a, is going to have a good match, a good match or good chemistry with you when, uh, by their outfits. And so I got, I looked up a lot of psychology and got really nerdy about it, but I kind of did a B testing to figure out how you can read a person by what they're wearing as soon as you walk in a room to know if it's worth speaking to them about what you're working on or if it's, or if they're just a good person to talk to because you just want to talk, you know? And it was, it's funny because you're right. It's the grind and like that AB testing is such a big part of it because you have to find what works. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it worked out well. You know, like looking back, it still holds true of that. Like when you're at a business event, for example, if someone's wearing purple or like a very bright feminine color and they're male, 
they're probably a pretty innovative tech CEO. Okay. Yeah. And then if, and if someone's wearing like like a a blue button up or a white button up, then they're probably, they're either in finance or they're a salary position kind of thing. And it's, and then when it comes to creatives, like the, someone who's wearing vintage, but their whole outfit is vintage from different decades then that's a guy that you are going to go outside for a smoke with and become casual friends with over, over the years just because you know that they're always going to be working on their own stuff and too busy. But they're great to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> what? How would you describe your brand? Like what color or something that you would wear or project? I would say it's a blend of purple and blue, I would say. Okay. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting mix of two because it's kind of it's kind of it's that like there's a femininity to it and there's the like the self-expression that comes through and that's clear and that's a purple, I think. Yeah. There's also a re- the blue. Uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say a regalness as well. Yeah. I I think so there's a world there's a royalty to it, but also I think I know that I am able to, that I have talent in certain things and I have the confidence to sort of try things, I suppose. Yep. And that's where the regalness comes in, I guess. Uh, and then the, the blue, I think that's the, it's, that's the, that it's like the opposite of it almost, you know, cause blue is when it comes to designing way, blue is like the color of like trust and, support but also sort of like laid back and won't get in your way kind of thing if you know what i mean yeah legacy but also can be corporate yeah exactly it's that middle of the road where you know like and when i look back a lot of the things i've done with poetry and with podcasting and with just business stuff it's always been in between those two where you know like it i have been part of corporate things but I've also, but I always tend to push for new projects that are sound exciting and new that are legacy building. But yep. there's also that there's always that touch of royalty to it, where it's like you know, like this stuff is cool, but I want to make sure that not not everyone can do something like this. Yeah, you know what you offer, and you bring it. And I also really relate to purple. And I also think it's, for me, it also represents imagination and caring and sort of like thinking outside the box. And even sometimes being in touch with your childhood and having an imagination, I think also helps you stay creative in some ways. And actually, no, I think you're right. And even, uh, you know, there's a historically before the 19... 50s even purple and pink were actually male color too it wasn't until the 1950s that purple and pink were seen as like a feminine female color only and so it's interesting because it kind of on top of what you just like to add to what you just said i think it also kind of just fits that like it when someone can wear purple comfortably it means that they're kind of in touch with like the masculine and feminine and you kind of and they work with it you know yeah and society is also has all these sort of rules and like you said they change and whereas 
how many years ago high heels were originally invented for men as well. So that's also interesting. Yeah. And it, and it kind of fits for poetry as well. I think, you know, like, cause you, you mentioned, so, well, earlier on, you mentioned about how, you know, in school it's very traditional, but now there's a big, big change. And I think that's part of it too, that the change in poetry styles and how people do it and even the emotion and how expressive a lot of poetry is now. I think that's a really cool indication that the old is kind of, it's evolving into something different, you know, like there's a lot more uh, confidence. There's a lot more just openness to hearing different messages. And so it's not just one or two male poets that are the spokesperson for a whole generation. Now there's thousands of spokesperson of spokespeople, and then it gets a more, way more well-rounded audience and just a better understanding of humanity, I suppose. Yeah, it definitely does, and it reflects the world that we live in today. And also being vulnerable and also not being afraid to express those emotions fully. Oh, absolutely. And like, and it it really is one of those things that when you look back, the, a lot of the classic poets, they were a mouthpiece for what was going on for at that time. And poetry has always been that. Like, for example, actually, if you think about it, theater is almost it's a theater is like is a time capsule of at least in my at least i think so anyway uh that theater is a time capsule that shows tiny events or tiny moments and lets you really jump into it and learn and just experience it and music is almost like it's a millisecond or like a very broad feeling of here's generally what was going on but then poetry is right in between the two where poetry, it, it goes in and out. So it, it gets really detailed, but it can also be really vague and it weaves in between the emotions and what's physically happening kind of. And so it's really interesting. You know, like I think that's why I love poetry, especially is because you can choose whether you want to be in the moment or if you want to be a thousand miles away talking about something that happened years ago, you know? Yeah. It's it's an interesting perspective on it for someone that like, if someone is listening that is kind of like, well, what can I get out of poetry? And I think that's it. You can choose what you want to get out of it. Absolutely. And that's a talent to be able to convey that and have received that other people receive that message and then feel something too. Do you, what poetry do you like to read? Can you read us some poetry right now? Is that possible? Absolutely. Yeah. I would love that. (laughs) I will try to find a piece actually for you because why not? Okay. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Because uh, I have one as well. That's short. That I really like that. I was when I was preparing for speaking to you, this was one of the ones I wanted to read. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'd love to hear it, actually. Okay, so mine is a Shell Silverstein poem from Book Falling Up, page 38, and it's called The Voice. There is a voice inside of you 
that whispers all day long, I know that this is right for me. I know that this is wrong. No teacher, preacher, parent, friend, or wise man can decide what's right for you. Just listen to the voice that speaks inside. I like that. Yeah, I think it's nice and short and I like it because anytime I feel like I need to make a difficult decision or life change, ultimately I know that I can't put that on somebody else. I have to, I can ask for advice, but ultimately I have to decide in the end what to do. So that really resonates with me. Yeah, I agree actually. And, um, I, uh, so I actually came across a verse that I wrote a while ago, but I think it fits that narrative and also kind of fits, uh, I don't know. It kind of fits the whole like theme of what we're talking about. So it's something I wrote, but it's along the same lines of theme actually. So I'm glad you read that. Uh, so yeah, here it is. Psychedelic or starvation, alcohol or isolation. Many ways lead to the same place. Answers arrive late at night in dreams that feel too real to lie. Moments of clarity shock the eyes, drive to see the light, and push on. Spin the wheel, see your fate. Everyone has a job. What's yours? Yeah. That's great. That is literally life. That is the amazing moments and the realizations and what what happens on a daily basis in small moments where it's just us, ourselves, and our thoughts. Absolutely. And it's a mind and it's there's sort of it's a mindfulness element too, I think, you know, yep. a way that like I think and I and I kind of read that because when I thought of you know, how I can make poetry accessible, but also have like that lesson slash sharing of knowledge. That's the best way to do it. You know, like Shel Silverstein is iconic and so, and so hard to forget because of the fact that he put lessons into clever wordplay and the rhyme is so subtle that it just, it works. Like you, you learn something out of it without even knowing it. Yeah. That's exactly it. You really do learn something. You learn these lessons that these life lessons. Yeah. And there's, it's, it's really, it's, and it's, it's still the same thing now, you know, and there's a lot of, I think it depends. I, at least I find it depends on where you look, whether you're looking at a poet that's a bit older or someone that is part of the LGBTQ plus community then the lessons that you're going to find from that are more about emotional healing and, and how to accept yourself. Yeah. Those but things. then, Oh, absolutely. Which is crucial. You know, like it's, that's always great to read and helpful. But then at the same time, there's other poets where it's, where it's like Rupi Kaur, for example, who did milk and honey. Uh, yeah. It's milk and honey. And, you know, and even on she hasn't she has an Amazon Prime special at this point, and her poetry is all about empowerment and and being a strong female. And then there's others who just write about whatever. You know, like one of my favorite poets is Roger Nash, who used to be a a poet for the gut for 
Northern Ontario, but also he's written for everything from politicians to just local, like a dozen books. And his poetry is just ridiculous musings about nothing in this growly voice. And it's just fun to listen to. And so there's just so many different avenues it can take. Yeah, that's the joy in it. Where can our listeners get in touch with you, Kyle? They could follow me on Instagram and Twitter and everything else at Buddy the Prophet. So it's B-U-D-D-Y-T-H-E-P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Or they or if they want to listen to some of the music interviews or catch up on just hear some really great artists, especially because a lot of the listeners are from Canada as well for this show, especially, then they can find the music prophet, the same spelling as before in profit on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. The marketing background really makes it it works out really well when they when someone's like, Where where can we find Buddy the Prophet? And it's the same handle everywhere. It's great. Yeah, that's great. SEO, very smart. And we can put some of those links in the dis- episode yeah. description for this episode as well. Yeah, it Thank- sounds great, man. This awesome. this was fun. Like it was it's it was I love talking about poetry and it was it was really interesting too to kind of to summarize it, because I think you're right. Like there, it, if you don't know a lot about it, it's really hard to get into it. And so, you know, I hope that we spilled the syrup on <laughs> how poetry is not as dull as it seems. And it's not just a bunch of 60 year old white men complaining about their gender normative marriage. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You're absolutely right. And we absolutely did spill the syrup. And I just feel like this was so much fun and i feel so good and thanks so much for being on and yeah i will definitely be checking out your podcast because i love music as well and hearing canadian artists is great awesome man thanks ryan this was this was great thank you and please subscribe to the podcast if you enjoyed this episode and something that would help me out a lot is if you would please leave a review on apple podcasts it helps with the podcast getting boosted in the algorithm and for more people to discover the podcast thanks so much for listening and tune in for more spilling next week and goodbye